All right, Ezekiel 35. Remember, we started in 33. Ezekiel's prophecies now pointing toward the reconciliation of God with the nation of Israel. I probably didn't turn this on. Would that help? It's on now. So, when we look at 35 and 36, it looks like, if you were with us from the beginning, Ezekiel goes back into prophecies against the nations. He's, he's going to prophesy against Mount Seir, which is focused on Edom. And uh, so some people ask the question, well, why? Why did he, he, he went out of order? He already did the prophecy to the nations, prophecies about Jerusalem. Now he starts to swing his attention toward the restoration of Israel, the promise of Messiah, the promise of the kingdom, the millennial reign of Christ, all of those things are coming in the, in the, the upcoming chapters of Ezekiel. But here, 35 and 36 are going are gonna to zoom back into a prophecy against the nation of Edom. And so people have asked that, that question. They thought, well, maybe they somehow over time got out of order. It was supposed to be back in the table of the nations but they some somebody somewhere put it here so you know they felt like it seemed weird where it was but it's only weird where it was if you don't understand the context for the nation of Israel Edom is the family of Esau Esau is Jacob's brother Esau and Jacob have been fighting how long since the womb We'll look at it tonight, but since they were in the womb, they have been fighting with one another. And so Ezekiel 35 is God's judgment against the brother of Israel who should have been able to lay aside his anger and hatred, bitterness and resentment and walk in love for his brother. But he didn't. So in order for Israel to enter into the land, Edom needs to be brought down. Now, Edom, when Israel's taken out, just so you're aware, Edom moves in. They move in on the outskirts. They take land that doesn't belong to them. And we'll see uh, scripture describe that. And the Lord says, what are you doing? I know Israel's out of here, but this is still mine. This is all mine. And I haven't given you permission to come in and, and take. And so in order for Israel to come back in, there's going to be um, a reconciling, if you will, for Edom. And if you'll look tonight, we only do 35 tonight, but as we do 35, I, I think that you'll be able to see the point that, that there was animosity between these two from far, far back. But the Lord is saying, listen, you ought not to have done this. You should not have lived in perpetual hatred for your brother. So we'll take a look at it tonight. Ezekiel 35, uh, 1 and 2, let's start it there. The, the uh, beginning of the return of Israel, God looked, sets his eyes on Mount Seir. So the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Mount Seir, and prophesy against it. Now we know Mount Seir is Edom because in Deuteronomy chapter 2, 
in Deuteronomy chapter 2, this is what it says. Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness in the direction of the Red Sea, and the, as the Lord had told me. And for many days we traveled around Mount Seir. And the Lord said to me, you have been traveling around this mountain country long enough. Turn north and command the people. You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers. So who's talking? That's God, right? You are about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the people of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. So be very careful. Do not contend with them. I will not give you any of their land. So God's telling Moses and the children of Israel as they're passing through, this ain't your place. It's your brother's place. Be respectful when you pass through. It's your brother's land. They're going to be afraid, so I need you to be careful. I will not give you any of their land. No, not so much as the sole of the foot to tread on. So none of it, none of Mount Seir goes to Israel. Because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. Listen to how the Lord asks the brother, Israel, to behave in his, in his brother's home, in his brother's land. You shall purchase food from them with money that you may eat. And you shall buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. So when they were going through the land of Edom, God gave them specific instructions, right? This is your brother's house. None of this is yours. I don't want you to steal food from them. I don't want you to steal water from them. If you need water, you pay for the water. You need food, you pay for the food, right? Make sense? So this is how they're entering in. Now, Obadiah is a prophet who also prophesied uh, against Esau and Edom. And listen to what he said. And, uh, I'm just going to share a few verses out of Obadiah. Obadiah, verse 8. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom who under, uh, and understanding out of Mount Esau? Now, Mount Esau is going to become synonymous with Mount Seir. Obadiah 9. And your mighty men will be destroyed, O Teman, so that every man from Mount Esau will be caught Cut off by slaughter. Verse 19. Those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau. Those on Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. And in verse 21. Saviors shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So God has a plan and a purpose for Edom. He had directions for the children of Israel when they passed through. And now he has directions for Edom, who has held on to their hatred all this time. It's a long time. Esau's been gone a long time. So we look at verse 3. Here's what he's supposed to say to Mount Seir. Verse 3. So say to it, to the mountain, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Mount Seir. I will stretch out my hand against you and make you a desolation and a waste. I will lay your cities waste and you will become a desolation. What's the point? Why is God doing this? 
You're going to see this over and over and over again in the prophecies. Why is God doing this? So that you will know I am the Lord. You can make any assertion you want. Anybody could stand on any corner and declare themselves to be the world ruler. But unless they're able to rule the world, they, their claim means nothing, right? So you have this claim from the Lord. We're going to see it throughout that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that he gives the boundaries to the nations. He dictates who is where, who, who is able to, to rise up against whom. And so the Lord has said, he's going to declare to them, Edom, you have gone against this covenant. You've gone against uh, uh, my directives. And you didn't care that I was still there. So I'm going to bring you down so that you will know I am the Lord. See, that's the way it is in our world still. Nobody follows anybody because they make a proclamation that I'm a leader. Why do they follow them? Because they learn by experience that you are who you said you are. What will Edom learn? That they're not in charge of their destiny. Who is? The Lord is. The Lord is. And there is a debt to pay. You and I as New Testament believers should understand that more than most other people. The reason you needed a savior is you had a debt you couldn't pay, right? And all we have to expect from God is the wrath of God. So God sent his son to be that atonement. He bore the wrath of God for us. That's why Paul would write, in Thessalonians, you are not appointed unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are set free from that judgment of God. So the Lord says, you will know, you will know when all your boasting comes to an end, all your arrogance comes to an end, then you'll know, I am the Lord. Now he's going to go on in 5 and 6 and explain to us, what, what brings it about? Listen to verse 5. Because you cherished perpetual enmity. Did you catch it? You loved everlasting hatred for the people of Israel. That's God's judgment. His, his judgment is not, you got angry, you lost self-control, so hey, I'm going to get... No, he said, you have loved to hate your brother. You have loved to hate him. And you gave over the people of Israel to the power of the sword at the time of their calamity. Now we know the calamity that came upon Israel came through the hands of God, right? The Lord brought correction to get the children of Israel into a place, once again, like he has had to do multiple times throughout their history, to get them to a place where they will repent. And so he lays it out. He says, look, when they were in their calamity, destruction has fallen upon them. They've been starved out. They've been fought out. Things are really hectic and really crazy. At that point, they struck 
Edom acted like their enemy, not their brother. Those families are related, right? Those are brothers, uncles. The peoples are cousins. They're related with one another. So you brought the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, at the time of their final punishment. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord, I will prepare for you blood, and blood will pursue you because you did not hate bloodshed. Therefore, he will give them blood to eat. That's going to be the diet that they come across. The word is ibat olam, verse 5, and it, it's, it, it is the long-standing duration of the hatred of Edom toward Israel. Literally, it is the blood of hatred. That's what he calls it. I will give you, so he says, I will prepare for you blood. The blood of hatred shall pursue you. The blood of hatred that they shed of the nation of Israel, God will bring as their judgment. And you can begin to understand why this is something that needs to be dealt with before the exiles return. Before the kingdom comes. You're going to see it when we get in Ezekiel 37 and 38. We start talking about Gog and Magog. We start talking about God and the defining battle against, against evil and the Messiah winning that battle and setting up a kingdom. And all of that is about judgment for the nations. Did you love your hatred? And did, that, did you have the blood of hatred as a part of your nation, the Lord says? And you will stand in that day before God's righteous judgment. And God will clean the land. The land shall be cleansed of, of what is there. It reminds me of the blood of Abel. You remember Yahweh cries out to Cain, the blood of your brother Abel, Genesis 4.10 cries out to me from the ground. So in like manner, he says to Esau, the blood of your brother Jacob cries out to me from the ground. And he wants to bring that judgment, a demand of full retribution. In fact, the Lord is going to play the part of the kinsman redeemer. The scripture talks about the kinsman redeemer. The, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, there's no police. There's no 911. Nobody's calling for the police. The Lord set up a system where, whereby the children of Israel relied on something called the kinsman redeemer. So that if a brother died accidental or on purpose, his nearest relative was given the job of retribution. To claim retribution. Eye for an eye. That, by the way, is the law of mercy. I know people don't understand it. But what it means is, if you poke out my eye, I can only take your eye. Most mankind doesn't live by the lex talionis. We say, you poke out my eye, I chop off your head. Right? But the Bible said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, the punishment fits the crime. Blood for blood. 
That's, that's actually perfect justice. Blood for blood, the kinsman redeemer. Now, there's a lot of things that can happen. If it was accidental, the person who, who accidentally took the life of another would flee to the city of refuge. And there he would live in the city of refuge, covered uh, by the grace of God. It was accidental. He could find a new life right there in the city of refuge until what? Until the high priest died. And then he was free. You know who your high priest is? Who set you free from your sin? Get it? So the Lord has, he's saying, look, there's going to be judgment. There will be ultimate retribution. We saw this in uh, Ezekiel 25 in the table of the nations. Ezekiel's bring charge against Edom. This is what the charge was. Verse 12 of Ezekiel 25 Thus says the Lord God, because Edom acted revengefully against the house of Judah and has grievously offended in taking vengeance on them. To whom does vengeance belong? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. How's it go? I shall repay. Now why does God want to be the avenger? Why should he be the avenger? I thought he should just give everybody a pass. Why does the Lord say, vengeance is mine? Primarily because you and I are terrible at justice. We don't do justice very well. We declared our independence in the garden when we declared with Adam and Eve, hey, Lord, I don't need you to tell me good from evil. I got this. And we've been doing a bang-up job ever since. So the Lord says to his people in particular, it is not yours to avenge, it's mine. Because God will do perfect justice. He won't overreact or underreact, it will be just right. That's why it's so important when we read Peter, and Peter describing Jesus at the cross, he said, Jesus never threatened those who beat him or who whipped him, or who nailed him to the cross, or ultimately crucified him, Peter says what Jesus did was entrust himself into the hands of his father. I'm yours, Dad. God Almighty is the avenger. That's sort of what Revelation 6 through 19 is all about. No? What happens to the world that rejects the salvation of the Son of God? What did Hebrews say about those who trample the blood of Christ? Revelation 6 through 19 kind of looks like that, right? The, the wrath of God poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. So the Lord is the avenger. But here Edom is taking their own vengeance against Israel. So the Lord God said, I will stretch out my hand against Edom and cut it off. So that's it. I'm, I'm evicting you from my land. Right? The earth is the Lord's. How much of it? The fullness thereof. It ain't ours. It's his. 
So he says, look, you're being evicted. I will cut it off from man and beast. I will make it desolate from Timon to Dedan. They shall fall by the sword, and I will lay my vengeance on Edom by the hand of my people Israel. So the Lord says, I'm going to use Israel to take that vengeance, and they shall do an Edom according to my anger, according to my wrath, and they, Edom, shall know my vengeance, declares the Lord God. Again, why, why this endless animosity? Genesis 25, verse 22. The children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, two peoples which shall be divided. So Jacob and Esau, we're not ever going to get along. One's going to go one way. One will go the other. The one shall be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. The stronger and the older are the same. If you remember, Jacob, he was, he was filling his, his, his oats. The Bible talks about Jacob was no weak man. When he, when he found Rachel's wife... He, he lifted a stone that took four shepherds to lift. That's not a little thing, right? Now, he, maybe it was just because he really wanted to impress her. I don't know, but he picked it up. The Bible says that when he was on his way to see Esau, he had just left his uncle. He's on his way to Esau. He knows Esau's ahead. He has a fitful night of sleep, and he wrestles with the Lord all night long. And the Bible says, and the Lord saw that he did not prevail, which means Jacob was not quitting. You ever wrestle with your kids when they were little? Usually mom and dad run out of juice before the kids, right? You're like, okay, that's, that's enough, let's stop. And then they always jump up on the back of the couch and do, you know, the flying Suleiman off of the couch and land on, on your back and it, and it all starts up again. Well, that's what the Bible means when it says he did not prevail. The Lord's like, hey, it's good. Hey, 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 Jake, Jacob, you got it. So what did he do? He reached over and touched him on the hip. And his hip went out of joint, which means if that's all it took for God to knock his hip out of joint, the Lord wasn't losing. Right? You get what I'm saying? And then Jacob held on all the more, wouldn't let go, wouldn't let go. And I'm not going to let go till you bless me. I'm not going to let go till you bless me. So what did the Lord do? He changed his name. You're Jacob. Everybody all your life has called you a little liar, deceiver, supplanter, heel catcher. None of those are, are terms of endearment. He says, but you're going to be called Israel because you have contended with God. You wrestled with me, and you wouldn't quit. So, I'm going to call you Israel, governed by God. Israel, pretty fitting because they wrestled with God their entire existence, right? It's totally different from you and I because we don't wrestle with God at all. And so, he's given that name. Now, what was Israel like the rest of his life? Remember, he's going to go see Esau. His, his older brother, the one that was called uh, Red. They called him Red. What do you know about redheads? 
What, what is the saying? They got a fiery temper, right? You got to watch them. Yeah, there's two sayings. One, they have a fiery temper, and the other one is they have no soul. I think fiery temper part, you guys never heard that? Oh, I shouldn't spread it then. Never mind. So the, <coughs> I'm sure I'll hear about that later. Don't worry, honey, you're strawberry blonde. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, I don't consider you redhead, babe. So he has to go see his brother lame. So he couldn't pick up a rock anymore. He couldn't rely on his own strength. Whose strength did he have to rely on? See, all throughout the Bible, the Lord is teaching us total dependence on him is where God wants us to be. Total dependence on him. Not total dependence on Jackie, not total dependence on somebody else, total dependence on him. Trusting him to deliver. That's what he wants. In Deuteronomy 23, 7, listen to what God declares to the nation of Israel. You shall not hate an Edomite. Did you catch that? The Lord said to Israel, you shall not hate an Edomite. Why? For he is your brother. Who's my brother? Apparently the Edomites are. Right? So he said, you will not hate him. You shall not abhor an Egyptian. You don't get to hate an Egyptian. Why? Because you were strangers in his land. You were strangers. The point that God's making in, in Deuteronomy, he's saying, look, all this time, that's a good catch, huh? All this, that's the fastest I've moved in a long time. I've probably pulled a muscle. He's saying, look, all this time, all this stuff that, that you were in Israel, though you were a slave, you were there for more than 400 years. And for a great part of that, Egypt took care of you while you were a stranger. So you don't get to hate them. Now, that, does that give us some insight into who and how God wants us to love? So just so you know, the whole love idea didn't just get birthed in the New Testament. The command to Israel to love their neighbor is Leviticus. The new part is Jesus saying, I want you to love them like I love you. So we, we can comprehend. In the book of Amos, Amos 1, 11 and 12, we understand a little more about the transgressions of Edom. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. One, he pursued his brother with the sword. Two, cast off pity. Three, his anger tore perpetually. He never let go of his anger. Four, he kept his wrath forever. So what did God say in Amos? I will send fire. On Edom, and it shall devour the strongholds of Basra. Now, if you know anything about Basra, you should, that name should, if you're a prophecy guy, Basra ought to make you go, huh? Why, Jackie? What's the big deal about Basra? Well, the Bible says when Christ returns, sets his feet on the earth, 
he's going to come back and he's going to walk from Basra to Jerusalem through a valley called the Valley of Jezreel. And the scripture tells us, the prophets tell us, that the blood will flow to the horse's bridle. And they'll see Jesus coming and his clothing is spattered with blood and they will say, what, what, where have you been? And Messiah will say, I have been trampling the grapes of wrath alone. That's why I say, God, he don't need us. He's able to do justice apart from us. God's judgment on Edom, you stood, you lived, you wallowed in your hatred. And so I'm bringing judgment for it. Still think you can walk in your bitterness and it's okay? Still think you can hate your brother without a cause? With a cause, doesn't matter. He judged them for their perpetual hatred. So he talks about the avenging, avenging the blood they shed. Look at verse 7. I will make Mount Seir a waste and a desolation. I will cut off from it all who come and go. I will fill its mountains with the slain. On your hills and in your valleys and all your ravines, those slain with the sword will fall. I will make you perpetual desolation. So the idea is, since you lived in perpetual hatred, I will make you perpetually empty. Your city is uninhabited, and then you will know I am the Lord. Verse 10. Because you said these two nations and these two countries will be mine, and we will take possession of them. Listen to this phrase. Although Yahweh was there. So you see the people of Edom, when this happens, when Israel is conquered, they are scattered, Edom starts to move in on Judah, starts to move in on the property. And they said, you have said, look, we'll take these two countries, it's Judah and, and Benjamin, we'll, we'll go in and we'll take those, they'll be ours. But the Lord says, although Yahweh was there, what makes you think you just walk in on Yahweh? Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, I will deal with you according to the anger and envy you showed because of your hatred against them. The Bible says that when God judges, he will give what we deserve. Is there anybody who wants that? Not if you understand it, you don't. Does anybody want to stand and get what you deserve from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? The Lord says, I'm going to give them according to the hatred they had for their brother. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them exactly what they gave in the exact measure because God knows, doesn't he? He can measure it out right to the T. And I will make myself known among them when I judge you. Again, you will know who I am. You will know who I am and you shall know that I am the Lord. I have heard, listen, I have heard all the revilings you uttered. Is that a sobering thought? The Lord said to Edom, the nation of Edom, I have heard every hateful word you ever said about Israel. 
Now just think about whatever hateful word you've shared about another. God heard that too. That's why Paul writes to us in Colossians to bring every thought captive, subservient to Christ. To not fall into those traps, right, where we do that kind of thing. What's the scripture say? I heard all the revilings, all the hatred you uttered against the mountains of Israel. And they, those mountains are desolate. They are given to us to devour. So Edom's saying, look, they're gone. Let's take it all. We'll go seize Israelite territory. We'll move into their houses. We'll harvest their vineyards. We'll, we'll finally get one over on those Israelites. They always thought they were better than us. Whatever the point was, here's the issue. God says, I didn't abandon the land. That's mine. Think about the words that you've spoken against a brother or sister. The Lord would say the same thing. Why are you talking about them? They are mine. Who are you to judge another servant, Paul wrote in Romans 14. To his own master he will stand or fall. And God is able to make him stand. Remember, we're not good at justice, judgment. We're not good at it. You think you know the whole story, but I promise you never know the whole story. I can't even tell you how many times in 57 years I've been wrong. Make a snap judgment about a thing, a person, a movement, whatever, and I eat my words. Oh, yep. So I don't know half as much as I think I do. Those are important things for us to remember because the Lord, that land belongs to him. He says, this is my land. I put my name there. I put my name there. You guys all seen Toy Story, right? What happens when, when Woody gets flipped upside down and they write, Andy writes his name? What did that say? You're what? You're mine. What did Jesus do on every believer with the blood that he sacrificed at the cross. He wrote his name on your foot. Be careful how you treat one another. They don't belong to you. Who do they belong to? God. And he is able. I know I set that many alarms to get me to end on time, but it doesn't help. I, I'm still, but I only have two verses left, so we're almost there. So here's the proclamation. You magnified yourselves against me with your mouth. This is God's proclamation against Edom. And multiplied your words against me. And I heard it. <laughs> Do you think he didn't? Has there ever been something he didn't hear? When I was a kid, I was super, I have a bad temper. And my, when my temper goes sideways, then the bad things happen to stuff. Since I was a kid, I had a dresser drawer. You know, my wife likes to do this to my dresser drawers. I had a dresser drawer that's so full of stuff that you can't hardly open it. And if you do get it open, the bottom drops out. You guys ever have a drawer like that? 
Like maybe we just put a few too many shirts in here. And uh, so I had one of those fall apart and, and they only did it once. And then we used it for firewood because I lost my ever-loving mind. And so I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm probably junior high. And I'm trying to find my baseball glove for baseball practice. And I'm running around there and I can't find my glove, can't find my glove, and I'm getting mad at God. Lord, where's my glove? And I look and look, and I don't think that's how the Lord wanted me to pray. And then in anger, I cried out to God, Lord, I hate you. And my mother from the other room said, he heard you. (laughs) I never forgot that the rest of my life. Okay, Lord, sorry. You know, you know, I'm a mess. I still never found the glove. Who knows? I get to heaven, it might be sitting there next to the ark. The Lord said, look, you said words against me and I heard it. Thus says the Lord God, while the whole earth rejoices, I will make you empty. So he's saying the the rejoicing the whole earth is doing is in the the restoration of the nation of Israel. So the Bible talks about when when Israel is restored. That's why I don't believe it happened in 1948. You'll hear all that as as we move our way forward. But when the nation of Israel is restored, he says, all of the earth is going to rejoice except for you. You won't be there. Your cities are gone. Your land is desolate. As you rejoiced over the inheritance of the house of Israel, so because you rejoiced over the destruction of Israel because it was desolate, so I will deal with you. And when when the world rejoices at their restoration... You will be desolate, Mount Seir, and all in Edom, all of it, and then they will know I am the Lord. So the Lord lays out this. Now we're going to see, we're going to see as it we move on into chapter thirty-six. We're going to see that swing. We're going to see that swing toward restoration, and obviously thirty-seven, thirty-eight. We're moving toward uh, the kingdom of God, the restoration of that kingdom, the establishment of Messiah. All of these things coming up in the, in the next several chapters. But the Lord saying, look, I'm going to remember. Now, I want you to think, we're going to pray, but I want you to think. What if Jesus told a story. You remember? He told a story. He said, I'm going to, there will be a judgment one day. That judgment will be, what did you do to the least of these, my brethren? When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you visited me. Remember? And I will say to them, enter into the kingdom. And they will say to me, Lord, when did we do this? And the Lord says, when you did it unto the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. But those on the left, the judgment of the sheep and goats, those on the left, he said, He'll say to those, because I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. Because you didn't do these things, you will not enter into the kingdom. And the people will say, Lord, when didn't we do that for you? And he will say, when you didn't do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it to me. Ezekiel 36 
is a picture of that same judgment. Remember when the Lord described love, God is love. Remember 1 Corinthians 13 gives us our definition. Love does not rejoice over iniquity. It rejoices in the truth. Does not throw a party when judgment comes on those who deserve judgment. But rather weeps and cries out for mercy to the one who is able to give mercy. That's the attitude of the Lord. That's what he wants from we, his servants. That's what Edom did not give him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord, that we could study your word, that we could we thank you for the opportunity to share a meal together, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity to share time together. Lord, we pray that you would be uh, just glorified here. We want to do those things which honor you, which please you. So God, help us to learn the lesson of those who have failed before so that we don't do those same things. Lord, we pray that our heart, our desire would be to love, to, to do just, but to love mercy and to live humbly before our God. May we walk in obedience as those who can proudly say, I know you are the Lord, my God. You don't have to prove it to me. You don't have to show it to me. I already know. I have given my knee. I have given the the praise of my lips. I have conferred upon you the confession that you are my great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, help us be who you're calling us to be. May you be glorified in and through it. In Jesus' name, amen.